Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. 2 Kings 17, and I want to let you know that I'm going to be very sensitive to the material in this chapter because it's just a very heavy topic and I don't want to try to run away too fast and all that. I just, I'm, I tried to be very careful with the subject matter in here. So it's Second uh, Kings 17, Israel's fall. They had been sent in like crazy. It's punishment time. God had given them centuries of patience and they just were not going to turn. We're going to do things our way. So again, I'm going to try to take this very carefully and be sensitive to the content as we go through 2 Kings 17. Father, we come before you, you and your word. Lord, let your word speak today beyond my abilities and my flaws and my strengths and whatever I've got. Just you're talking here today. Uh, we thank you for it. Give us the understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Kings 17, verse 1. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hosea, the son of Elah, became king of Israel in Samaria, and he reigned nine years. Take note of Samaria is part of Israel's territory, okay? And he did evil in sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel who were before him. Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against him, and Hosea became his vassal and paid him tribute money. Oh, gosh. And the king of Assyria uncovered a conspiracy by Hosea, for he had sent messengers to So, king of Egypt, and brought no tribute to the king of Assyria as he had done year by year. Therefore, the king of Assyria shut him up, and bound him in prison. Okay, so if you recall in the past, we had seen multiple kings that tried to buy off Assyria. Assyria had been coming against them for a long time. Here, just take this, plunder the Lord's house, whatever, plunder the people, let's just take a bunch of money and just, just, here, take this, just go away. Buy off money. But this here was not just a one-time buy off, as we read. This says tribute money. This means that Hosea was forced into making recurring payments. I hate recurring payments. I had a gym membership every month, whether I won or not, it hit me every time. I didn't like it, I went and shut it down. I hate recurring payments. It's it's just always coming at you. It's always leeching out of you. So what King uh, Hosea tried to do is he tried to run to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to help him get out of this tax rut. Help me out, oh Pharaoh. Now, I'm thinking God didn't want Israel's former oppressor helping them. This was Egypt he ran to of all nations, the the country that oppressed them over 400 years. You're not supposed to run 
to your oppressor. You're supposed to run to the Lord God. Friends, you're not supposed to run to your money. It's your oppressor. You're supposed to run to your God first. So Hosea should have asked counsel from the Lord first. 2 Kings 17.5, now the king of Assyria went throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it for three years. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Hala and by the Habor, the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. For it was so that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord. He's given us the reason here. For it was so that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And they had feared other gods and had walked in the statues, in the statutes of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of of Israel, which they had made. Also the children of Israel secretly, as if God wasn't going to see it, secretly did against the Lord, their God, things that were not right. And they built for themselves high places in all their cities from watchtower to fortified city. They set up for themselves sacred pillars and wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. There they burned incense on all the high places like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them. And they did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols of which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all of his prophets, every seer, saying, turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. Okay, so we're told why they were dragged away. Everybody got dragged away. Oh, how could God do such a thing? Well, he explains, here's why it happened. Look at what Israel did. Don't just blame God for everything. Here's why he did it. Now, as if paying the king of of Assyria tribute money, recurring payments, as if that wasn't bad enough, now he took the whole rest of the kingdom. At first he was just paying. Now the kingdom's dragged away. And and he took the whole rest of the kingdom of Israel over, and they were deported into captivity. So what we have here is within just two centuries, the kingdom of Israel had sinned enough to cease to exist as a nation. Now, I hear a lot of people say, well, we're the United States of America. We're always going to be here. We're the United States of America. And I'm proud too. Don't get me wrong. But if God would do this to his own people, why do you think we wouldn't do that to us? We're not his chosen covenant people like that. We're way over here across the pond. He did this to his own folks, his own people, okay? And it says God sent them prophets. He sent them prophets. Prophets were men who were sent with a direct revelation from God to tell the people to turn back and repent. That's what a prophet was. Hey, Israel, you're going the wrong way. You need to come back this way. That's what prophets were sent to do. I hear of prophets today, they call themselves prophets, you don't hear a word of repentance in their voice at all. 
that is not no prophet, and you better not listen to them, okay? They were sent to Israel. You can't say God didn't try. You can't say God didn't tell them so. You can't say they didn't have verbal and written warnings. So he sent them prophets. I'm just trying to think of how many prophets there are in the Bible. Over how many years were prophets sent up to this point that Israel had to ignore how many centuries of how many prophets to get this bad? It's not like God didn't send anybody. He sent somebody over and over. They just weren't listening. Matter of fact, something I want you to take particular note of is that said that Israel wanted to do what everybody else did. Israel wants to copy foreign nations. Whatever the foreign nations do, we want to do. They're copying what the foreigners do. 2 Kings 17, 14. Nevertheless, they would not hear, but stiffened their necks like the necks of their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he had made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he had testified against them. They followed idols, became idolaters, and went after the nations who were all around them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. Okay, very, very important. I already made this point, but you really, I hope you really latch onto this, that God says you're not supposed to act like them. Whatever they do, don't copy them, but that's what they're doing. Whatever they do, I'm going to do that, carbon copy. The Lord's going to cash in on this sin, actually, uh, th- their desire to do like everybody else. He's going to use that against them here in a little bit. Now, Israel had always behaved like everybody else, and I want you to take particular notice where it says, they would not hear like their fathers who did not what? Do you see that, what's after it? They didn't hear like their fathers who did not believe. Don't hear, don't believe. Don't hear means don't believe. A lot of Christians, they say they are, are walking around out there not hearing. They're not going to church. They're not even listening to the podcast. They don't even care to talk about God with their Christianese friends. They're not hearing. So what does that mean? They're not believing. Because believers will hear. Believers will listen. Hearing is directly proportionate with believing. So Israel's not going to listen. And so their belief was so absent that they literally rejected the Lord God who had made a gracious covenant with them back in Exodus chapter 19. He made bunches of covenants, but the big one I remember was Exodus 19. And God, what gets me is that God made this covenant with them knowing that they were going to break it. He made it anyway. So I guess a little lessonette in here is the fact that the Lord Jesus offers you covenant salvation and he offers it already knowing beforehand you were going to fall short of it in the first place isn't that a gracious god do you see the grace he gave them well it's wrong for god to drag them away no look at how much he tried to give them he's more than fair come on he sent them in his long-suffering patience he sent them centuries worth of prophets If y'all remember my difference between patience and long-suffering, what I said, patience is standing in line at the grocery store to buy a donut, and I shouldn't even be talking about that because I'm still on plan trying to slim down, but patience is waiting in the grocery store line to buy a donut. 
long-suffering is learning how to make the donut yourself. Going and buying all the recipe ingredients, going through the grocery store line, getting in the kitchen, mixing the bowl, oven, fryer, whatever it is you got to do in this, doing it yourself, that's long-suffering. That takes a lot more time and a lot more work and a lot more effort. God wasn't just patient with them. He was long-suffering with them. He went above and beyond. I'm not going to put in that much work for a donut, I'm telling you. I'll just go to the store and buy it. A lot of people would have looked at Israel and said, I'm not going to put in that much effort for you. You done blew it. But God wasn't just patient. He was long-suffering. He put in well above and beyond what was necessary to get them to turn back. So don't look at God and shake your finger at him. Oh, how, how dare you drag them away? He gave them plenty to turn back from. Second Kings 17 and verse 16 So they left all the commandments of the Lord their God, made for themselves a molded image and two calves, there's that Egyptian culture still in them, made a wooden image and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. We're being reminded of past chapters here. Verse 17, and they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire. That means they burned them as sacrifices, practiced witchcraft, and soothsaying, and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. You ever have anybody just pester you? I mean, just provoke you. They knew how to push your buttons and they pushed them and pushed them. You try to give them some benefit of the doubt to a point. You try to be patient, but then there comes a point where you're like, that's it, man. You're not listening to me. Stop it. <laughs> Find out, some, one of you just try to pester me for the next month to eat watermelon and see what happens. I will blow, okay. This is what happened with the Lord God. He had enough. Let's look at why would the Lord remove all the Israelites except the kingdom of Judah. Why did that happen? Now, Judah's about to fall too because they're about to get sideways as well. But it says he left the kingdom of Judah there. Well, as we have been reading, uh, it's because Judah had a series of mostly good kings that did what was right in God's sight. So this passage tells us how much difference it makes to obey the Lord God and do what he tells you to do. So Israel, the kingdom of Israel is gone. However, Judah is still there because they had obeyed and they have more time. However, sad to say, Judah wasn't exactly perfect. Second Kings 17, 19. Also, Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel. Now look at this. Afflicted them. You might need to underline that. I don't know. Depending on where you sit with your theology. Afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them from his sight. God afflicted them. We live in a t-shirt bumper sticker theology type society that says God just wants to bless me. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Even if I don't care to do what God says, even if I'm not listening to him, God just wants to bless me and he'll do it whenever I call for it. Right here, it says God afflicted them. This goes completely against the grain here today. And that's why I'm capitalizing hard. 
Most supposed Christians, the not listening, not believing, so they're probably not Christians, today they do not believe that God does this. They don't believe that God would afflict anybody. They get afflicted. This cannot be from God. So Satan, I bind thee in the name of Jesus thing that they do, not realizing that affliction could be from God. Whoa. I got afflicted by the Lord God, and I thought it was the devil doing it the whole time. Had to wake up. We have to understand that our sin provokes God to anger. It makes him mad. The God that you think just loves you and all smile and rainbows and just wants to shower you with nothing but blessing all the time, our sin makes him literally upset. And if we keep pushing those buttons... I don't have to go to church. Well, you don't have to go to church to be saved. Well, I don't have to pray. I don't want to pray. I don't have to do that. I don't have to give to the child. All this stuff. I don't have to. I don't have to. You got a justification out of everything that God commanded you to do. You're trying to find ways out of it, and you will not do it. You're provoking God to anger because I guarantee you, if you're not doing what God says, you're doing what a false God's telling you to do. And that's exactly what Israel did. They made false gods, and it ticked him off. <laughs> Okay? Our sin provokes God to anger, and they continually pushed and pushed and provoked, and so God afflicted them. He afflicted them. Now, I want you to observe that it does not say that God allowed affliction, as though an affliction just came up on its own, and God goes, well, you know, I'll just let it it ride. It doesn't say he allowed it. It says he caused it. I've heard people go round and round with me before about Noah's Ark. The floodwaters came. Well, you know, if God sent the floodwaters, that would make God evil. So he allowed it. No, he sent it. It says God caused the foundations of the earth to be shaken so that the water would come up. God did that. And some people have a hard time thinking of this. Oh, what about all the the puppy dogs and kitty cats and, and all the people and all the cute little animals? God drowned them. That's the way they look at it. God afflicted them because their sin provoked them to anger. I want you to understand that God does not allow affliction. He causes it. God afflicted them, it says. Now, here's a verse I want you to see that kind of gives a little perspective on that. It's Isaiah 45 and 7. You will never see a prosperity preacher ever say this verse. I bet you. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity I, the Lord, do all these things. He said, I do it. Because you know people are going to go, no, God doesn't do that. That would make God evil. He's telling us, no, I'm the one that does it. And so God afflicted Israel. And how did he do it? He afflicted them by moving them to foreign nations who were going to steal from them. Can you imagine God kicking you out of your house and sending you to another nation that robbed you of everything you had? Well, that's not God. He did it to Israel. Why do we Gentiles think we rank above them some kind of way that he would never do that to us? Well, Israel sinned. They deserve it. We sinned. (laughs) They stole and they took and they robbed from them until Israel was no longer to defend themselves. And that's what made them so easily able to be dragged away. They had no way to defend themselves. This is the United States of America. It's not going to happen here. Keep sinning and find out. I'd rather you not. If he'll do that to his own people, he'll do it to us. And I think it's happening. We're losing things. Oh, the government needs to fix that. No, don't run to your little Egypt. 
Don't run to man and money. God is afflicting this nation because this nation won't turn back from its sin. It's not political. It's spiritual. Believe me. Second Kings 17, 21. For he allowed them to be torn from Israel. He allowed them. Does it say that? I'm just speaking American culture right for a minute. I want you to see the difference. It does not say he allowed them to be torn. It says for he tore. God did this. For he tore Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. Then Jer- We're getting a reminder here, okay? A summary. Then Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants, the prophets. See, they were warned. So Israel was carried away from their own land to Assyria, as it is to this day. Then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and from Sepharavim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in its cities. Highly important that you recognize that foreign nations took over their land. He deported the Israelites out. He sent his own people in. You go populate the conquered territory. So again, it says that God tore Israel away. That's more affliction that God caused. I really, really want to get us out of the mindset where we feel that we can tell God what he can and cannot do. We're not, that's not our place. We can't say, well, if God afflicted his people, then that would make God evil, so God can't do that. Yes, he can, and he does. We don't tell God what he does and does not do. So if you think like this, and here's, here's a little sub thing here. If you think that God can't do this, God's not allowed to do that, so I'm going to come up with a different God that's not allowed to afflict me. I'm going to come up with a God that only wants to bless me and only wants to make me feel good, then what you have just done is you have molded a false God for yourself, which is exactly what the Israelites had done to make God mad. You don't tell God who he is to be and then decide to make up one for yourself if he doesn't act the way you want him to. That is what creating a false idol is. I want a God that works the way I want him to work. I don't like the theology of that church over there. I disagree with that. So I'm going to invent a God that says that that little piece of theology is okay. You just created a false God. Look at his word, what God says in his word. That's the way it is. You've got to align yourself to what God says. Man, people get mad at me all the time. Well, why do you believe that? Why do you enforce this particular policy in your church? Because the word of God says it. Well, that's not right. I'm going to go somewhere else then go somewhere else because I'm not doing it here. I won't let false gods come in this church because I know you don't want them. We don't want them in here. So you can see how easy it is to follow a false god. Now, he he afflicts his people and God makes calamity when it serves his will. He causes calamity when it serves his will. You look on the news, the earthquakes, floods, all the storms, all the things going on. God God does this. Satan can't cause... A natural disaster to happen, we call them natural disasters. Satan can't just make that happen if God doesn't want it to happen. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.